Доброе утро. Good morning. Приветствую вас. И... Дональд попросил рассказать немного свидетельства о том, как мы выехали из Украины. Дональд я хочу один стих, чтобы мы прочитали. Like В Библии это первая книга царств. Седьмая глава, двенадцатый стих. И здесь написано, и взял Самуил один камень и поставил между массифой и между сеном и назвал его Авен-Езер. Сказал, до этого места помог нам Господь. Буквально перед войной, там, пару лет до войны, мы вместе праздновали, когда мы могли открыть наш молитвенный дом новый. И этот текст был нашим таким девизом. And this verse was a slogan for us. О том, что Бог вел нашу церковь. И это действительно важный текст, потому что в то время были филистимляне, это была победа над ними. И Самуил поставил этот камень и название дал такое. And it was a very important verse for us because it shows that during the battles with Philistines, uh, Samuel took this stone and set it there. And declared that the victory was not theirs, but the Lord's. And I want to tell you about how в нашей ситуации лично произошло именно с выездом с нашей страны. Получилось так, что ну, у каждого, наверное, кто из нас выезжал, у нас сейчас именно те, кто в Балимоне, наша группа, кто выехал, у нас сейчас 39 человек. Basically, there are 39 of us, the group that we are now stationed in Palamani, the group of adults and children. And we couldn't come all together. We were doing it individually or in little groups. But for all of us, the war started on the 24th of February last year. And it started all of a sudden. You know all about that. It started very early in the morning. I was traveling at that point in time. Я вот брата Ваню отвозил на автобус, он должен был ехать в другую страну на заработки. Это было 5 утра. 
когда позвонила жена моя мне и сказала, что началась война. Я еще не слышал, я был в Харькове. Наш поселок, если по дороге, где-то 50 километров мы от границы с Россией находимся. Our village is just about 50 kilometers from the border with Russia. Если по прямой, то намного ближе. And if as the crow flies, it's a lot closer. И когда она мне позвонила, она сказала о том, что началась война, было слышно в трубку взрывы. When my wife phoned me, I actually could hear the explosions uh, throughout the phone. И это был, конечно, шок для нас. Тогда, когда я был в городе, прогремел взрыв уже в самом городе тоже. И я развернулся, я уехал домой. И когда я возвращался, уже начинало так расцветать немного. Bright and bright, it was the beginning of the day. И я видел просто, как с России рядом там город, ну, это примерно где-то там Белгород. And I could see that from the city of Belgrade, which is actually in Russia. Видно было, как поднимались ракеты и летели сюда в нашу сторону. I could see the rockets flying from there towards us. И безусловно рядом у нас есть такой военный городок, это Чугуев, куда начали прилеты сразу быть. Они бомбили, то есть все точки, места, где были военные какие-то базы там. At the beginning they were actually shelling the places which had any military connections, and there was a small military base not far from where we are stationed. И это было ужасно, и сразу витал в воздухе такой вопрос, мы перезванивались, что делать будем. Никто не знал, ну, как бы, что дальше делать. Мы, наверное, все ждали, что оно все быстро закончится. Часть людей из нашей церкви уехала в первый день прям утром. В основном это ну, семьи с детьми. Мы еще оставались две недели в самом поселке. The rest of us stayed for another two weeks in our village. И это было такое тяжелое время. По самому поселку как бы таких бомбежек не было. It was a very difficult time that our village at that point in time was not shelled yet. Но рядом были взрывы и бомбили мост, самолеты летали над поселком. Было очень страшно. But we heard a lot of explosions. We saw the military jets flying over. The bridges were being bombed. И, конечно, ну, для нас был вопрос, что нам дальше делать вообще, как бы, ну. And we all were trying to decide what to do. И получилось так, что сам поселок наш, в котором мы жили, он, получается, был отрезан, потому что русские войска заходили, он был как бы как в кольце. Our village where we stayed actually got surrounded by the Russian army on every side. И там погибло очень много цивильных людей, когда они выезжали, то есть ехали на Харьков. And civilians who were trying to leave the place and going towards Kharkiv got killed. 
была разбита колонна военной техники русских там и, на, и украинские как бы и русские ну, были войска. There was a lot of damage there because they were Rus the Russian army was there, the Ukrainian yeah. army was there. И мы не могли выехать даже с поселка с нашего, потому что ну, было очень опасно. We could not leave. It was И э, потом э, случился такой момент о том, что, э, ну, скажем, вернее, такой момент, что даже наши войска не выпускали из нашего поселка, нам невозможно было в Харьков заехать. And it happened so that even the Ukrainian army would not let us leave. And then on one day we were told that at a certain point of time, by three o'clock, we could go. Four families were going all together. На следующий день еще семья Валерии с вами выезжали, и вот Александра Антоновна выезжали на следующий день. Then another family were leaving the following day. И таким образом часть людей мы выехали из поселка нашего. We managed to leave our village. И как бы перед нами был вопрос, что нам делать, куда ехать, мы как бы сначала не знали еще. But we were not sure where we were supposed to be going. Мы ехали просто на Польшу, потому что у нас в Салтове даже связи не было, чтобы с кем-то, ну, то есть мы как бы могли с кем-то списаться, когда мы уже выехали только в Харьков. Well, we could not get in touch with anybody because there was no connection. So when we left, we decided to go uh, towards Poland. And then when we got to Kharkiv, we actually could get in touch with other people. Мы тогда, я помню, что Дональд написал, когда связь появилась, о том, что мы можем помочь вам выехать. And then we got a message from Donald with, when we got the connection. And Donald uh, sent a message saying that uh, we are going to try and help you. Но перед нами все равно была неизвестность, потому что ехать было очень далеко. По трассе пробки были очень большие. Ну, 50 километров мы в один день проехали за 12 часов. The roads were banged with people, and in one day we could only move about 50 kilometers. It was very difficult, extremely complicated, and it took us three days and nights to reach Poland. как водитель, там и другие водителя были, я спал где-то ну четыре часа, я посчитал. And when I was uh, I was the designated driver, and the rest of the men who were driving, we basically got about three hours of sleep. Ну это эмоциональный стресс был во-первых. And it was also emotional stress, not just physical. Но я хочу сказать вот этот текст, который здесь я прочитал, что до этого места помог нам Господь. I would like to say that this verse that I just read from the Bible, that helped us. The Lord took us there. Божьи чудеса на протяжении всего нашего выезда, они сопровождали нас. God's miracles were abundant throughout our journeys. И по дороге по всей Украине, когда мы ехали, Бог посылал нам людей, где нас принимали, где мы могли ночевать, где нас кормили. 
И это все было бесплатно. Мы могли приехать в Польшу, и нам негде было ночевать и жить. Мы вообще не знали, где мы можем жить. When we were supposed to come to Poland, we had no idea where we would be staying. Но когда я сейчас вспоминаю то, как Бог нас поселил там, нас поселили, нам дали разрешение на три дня поселиться в лютеранском костёле. And then I'm looking back, I'm thinking the Lord sorted that out too. We got a permission to stay in a Polish uh, Catholic church for three days. И мы не знали дальше, очень дорого жилье снимать было, если снимать. Но они нам разрешили, потом сказали, что живите сколько нужно. Миссия нам пересылала деньги, чтобы мы могли жить, покупать продукты. И то есть мы жили там больше месяца. We stayed there for over a month. И вы знаете, Бог заботился и там. Бог and the Lord took care of us. Вот именно через Божьих детей. Through His children. И мы, когда все ожидали, что нам открыть должны были визу, мы просто в таком, знаете, ожидании не в понятном. Когда нам откроют? Как откроют? We were in a bit of a suspension status there because we were expecting, we were waiting for our visas uh, to come through and we did not know how long that might take. So it was a bit of uncertain time. Внутри было такое, вы знаете, состояние неведения какого-то. It was a total unknown. Но вы знаете, и здесь Бог нам явил свою верность и любовь. Even there, the Lord showed His faithfulness and love towards us. И когда мы приехали сюда уже в Северную Ирландию, and when we finally arrived in Northern Ireland, Бог действительно явил нам очень много любви, заботы именно через ваш народ, через миссии, через церкви. Я думаю, что мы многих людей, наверное, даже и не знаем, кто участвовал в помощи для нас. So when we arrived here, the Lord showed us abundant love and care through the people of Northern Ireland, through everybody we met, and even those who we've never met, and we know that they are praying for us and supporting us. No, вы знаете, и миссия, и церковь Хеврон, и Марина, которая переводит нам, и другая Аня, которая является переводчиком, которая помогала с оформлением документов. То есть Бог насколько окружил нас здесь такой заботой. The Lord surrounded, surrounded us with a lot of love and help through the mission, through the Hebron church, through the interpreters, myself included, and another lady, Anya, who helped them a lot with filling in all the endless forms they needed to fill in. И я могу сказать, как Самуил, который поставил этот камень, до сего места помог нам Господь. And I can say honestly, just like Samuel did when he set up the stone, it was the Lord who brought us here. И я хочу буквально еще немного сказать о 
о том, что э, ваша страна очень много участвовала. Я знаю, что Дональд мне говорил, и ваша церковь в поддержке нашей церкви, которая в Украине была. And I would like to mention as well that we are well aware of the fact, as Donald been telling me throughout the years, that you in particular, your church, have been supporting us throughout all these years. И это великое благословение, я просто хочу некоторые назвать. And it is a, an enormous blessing to us. Когда миссия приехала в Старый Салтов, помню первый раз, When Donald and Jacqueline and some other people came to our place called Starry Saltov for the first time, we started making connections. И uh, я помню, я только покаялся, пришел в церковь, и я первый раз увидел Дональда Жаклин. And I remember, like for the first time, I met Donald and Jacqueline, and it was not long after I actually uh, repented and became a Christian. Я помню тогда еще Лора, многие еще сестры были пели. And I remember Laura was there and other sisters and they were singing hymns. And from that moment on, the Lord started taking care of our church through this mission. There was a major project to actually get a building up for the church. И вы знаете, сначала в церкви, в которой мы собирались, комнатка была настолько маленькая, что пожилым людям становилось очень плохо, их выводили из зала. Больше 50 человек собиралось в комнатке очень маленькой. И Бог так благословил, что мы начали строить молитвенный дом, и мы построили этот молитвенный дом. Help, building, Я помню, когда к нам приехали лавочки. Очень удобные, большие, у нас таких нет ни одного like nice. Я помню, когда кафедра к нам приехала. Я помню, когда окна приехали с Северной Ирландии. И очень многие, многие вещи, которые... Они были действительно благословением. Many, И также Бог благословил, что мы могли участвовать с помощью миссии в тюрьмах. И также очень много помощи было оказано людям, больным, инвалидам. И это действительно было огромное благословение, и оно есть. И я напоследок хочу сказать, вы знаете, я часто себе такой вопрос задаю. Господи, зачем ты строил это все? Dear Lord, why did you let 
all this to be constructed. Я не знаю. And I don't know. Сколько труда, работы. So much work, so much effort, so much toil. Денег. And money. Но я знаю одно, что этот текст, он говорит, до сего места помог нам Бог. But I know one thing for sure. Through this verse, that up to this point, and even now, the Lord has helped us through. И Бог знает нашу жизнь. And the Lord knows our lives. Бог знает наше будущее. The Lord knows our future. Бог знает, что будет завтра. He knows what's going to happen tomorrow. И я хочу что сказать, что Бог действительно славен. And we glorify him. Хотя, может быть, нам много непонятное. Though we cannot understand everything. И мы не понимаем, почему происходит все это. And we can't comprehend why all this is happening. Но я знаю одно, что, может быть, мои чувства сегодня, они, им сложно согласиться с этим. I know that what I'm feeling today, I am not agreeing with what is happening. Но я знаю, что то, что Бог сказал, так есть. But I know what the Lord has said is true. Для всех верующих людей это будет славный конец. For everybody who is a believer, it will be a glorious finish. Я знаю, что Бог, Он все контролирует. And I know that He is in control. И даже то, что непонятно. Even that stuff that we cannot comprehend. И я думаю, что наша задача, наверное, сегодня делать то, что Бог говорит. And I believe that our duty today is to do what the Lord commands. Потому что, если мы будем задавать вопрос себе, почему так случилось, и мы, думаю, что не найдем ответ, возможно, в этой жизни. Because if we just keep on asking why it's this happening, why, Lord, why, we're not going to find the answer in this life. И вы знаете, я просто думаю, те люди, которые тоже вкладывали в то, что было в Украине, And I'm thinking about all those people who invested in everything that was Ukraine. Now feels like it's been just taken up in a puff of smoke. But it has not been wasted. Because first of all, it was the work for the souls. It was what happened then. И это то, что есть сегодня. And it's exactly what's happening now. И Бог действует через все эти обстоятельства. And the Lord is controlling everything through all these horrible circumstances. Для того, чтобы прославилось Его имя. To glorify His name. И чтобы спаслись многие люди. And to save a lot of souls. И вы знаете, последний пример я хочу просто привести за Авраама. I would like to just mention Abraham. В жизни Авраама случилась ситуация, когда он потерял все. In his life there was a situation when he lost everything. Но Бог мог все восстановить. But the Lord could restore everything to him. И дать еще больше. And give even more. Весь вопрос во всем этом Аврааму нужно было быть верным. 
The only thing that he wanted Abraham to do is to stay faithful. И я понимаю, что нам, как украинцам, и вам тоже. And I understand that for us, Ukrainians, and for you as well. Нам нужно быть верными в том, что Бог хочет от нас. We have to be faithful in what the Lord wants from us. Все остальное, оно за Богом. Everything else is up to Him. И поэтому слава нашему Господу, что Бог довел нас до этого места. And glory to the Lord and thanks to Him that He brought us through to this place. Что Бог утешает наши сердца сегодня. That He comforts our hearts today. Я хочу поблагодарить вашу церковь. Like миссию вера в действие. And mission of faith in uh, action. Uh, И всех-всех людей, которые участвуют в том, чтобы помогать украинцам. And every single person who helps Ukrainians. Слава Господу и спасибо вам. Glory to the Lord and thank you. Thank you to Pastor Valentin. I thought he was going to turn into a Ukrainian meeting there. Two and a half hours usually last. But thank you to Valentin. Thank you to Marina. Brothers and sisters, I just want to read a, a portion of scripture to you because time is absolutely flying. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 34. Deuteronomy chapter 34. Moses, the servant of the Lord, has taken them this far, but he was never going to enter into the promised land. His life ends in chapter 34. We're going to look at verse 10, uh, 11, and 12, the last three verses of Deuteronomy chapter uh, 34. And the word of God says, And there arose not a prophet since in Israel like unto Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face, and all the signs and the wonders which the Lord had sent him to do in the land of Egypt to Pharaoh and to all his servants, and to all his land. And in all that mighty land, and in all the great terror which Moses showed in the sight of all Israel. We know that the Lord will bless that reading. Let's just pray. Father, we thank thee that thy word is forever settled in heaven, whilst at the same time faith still cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Father, we pray now that as we come to show the report and the challenge, Father, we pray that the Spirit of God would move within our fellowship today, speaking into the hearts and into the minds of all who are present here this morning. Father, we thank you for Ukraine. We thank you for our Ukrainian friends here today. And pray, Father, that you'll just give them that peace in uh, in their hearts and in their minds, Father, and help them just to be able to settle down a little bit better. So, Father, for now, we just thank Thee for Thy Word. Bless the report. We ask it in the Savior's name. Amen. Okay. Pray for Ukraine. We need prayer for Ukraine. Uh, This was last April, I think it was. They were were the first ones to come in. Pastor Valentin, his family. This was the start of them coming. This was us holding a camp down in the Causeway Coast. Uh, most of them had already arrived by that time. And the, the goal was to, to try and get them all together. We had two camps throughout the summer to get them to come together so that they could talk to one another, comfort one another, 
and just share the Word of God with, with people around uh, those early days. But and re, to be honest, the war in Ukraine, it didn't start last February. It started eight years ago when the Russian separatists went into the east of Ukraine and took over. The Lord showed us there was a ministry here in the east of Ukraine with the Ukrainian army. So we had access to go to the Ukrainian army, into their billets, to minister to them, to preach the gospel to them. And it was a great ministry into the, the, the east of Ukraine here. Uh, the place had been bombed so badly. Many places were closed. People were finding it difficult to live and to buy food or medicine. And we were able to go with a trailer full of food and gospel literature and reach the people. Even in minus 20 degrees, the people were coming out to hear the word of God. Uh, just last week or so, I seen on the news Mr. Putin giving all the, 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 the soldiers, he was calling them the heroes of Russia and giving them medals. Uh, this is what the, the heroes of Russia did. Uh, this is a little orphanage for mentally and physically, physically handicapped children in the Donbass area. You've heard of the Donbass area. And they went in here and they shot the orphanage up. They stole their beds uh, from disabled children. They took their beds, they took their mattresses, they took their, their blankets, and they left the children with absolutely nothing to, to lie in. But, you know, we were able to get teams together, and we were able to go to them with the beds and re replace the beds, put the cots up again for the children, and, and just become a blessing. You know, not much of a hero when you have to pick in children like that there. And, and this is the, the depth... To, to, that, that they're actually steeping to in the, the east of Ukraine today. The Light of the Gospel Church is another church that we... This was the first church we worked with 22 years ago. We still work with them. So everything that you're going to see today, uh, we know these areas so well. For the past 22 years, we have supported them. And everything you see here today is supported by Faith in Action Missions. So to go into the Light of the Gospel Church, we finance them. They're able to go down into the, the subways. You can see in the bottom right-hand corner there, the subways. People have lost everything. There's nowhere to live. There's no, they're not safe where, where they're living now. So they're lying down in subways and deserted trains, filthy, cold, dark subways with nowhere to live. But the churches are going down into there. And the bombing is taking place. The shooting is taking place. There's a war happening. But the church are still there and they're going down they're feeding the people. Those bins are full of stew and full of potatoes. And they're going down and they're feeding the thousands of people down there in the basements uh, of the subway. And while they're doing that, there's a group singing, there's a group testifying, they're preaching the gospel to the people down in those areas. This is Light of the Gospel Church, and this is the disabled camp that they're now holding. Every year, we, we support the disabled camp. There's one coming up in June, and we will support that and finance this. But this is just recently bringing them into the church to minister to the disabled. And it's a lot of work. It's hard work driving throughout the city to bring the people in. And this is a church today. This is not the believers. This is unbelievers. The unbelievers are packing the churches out now all over Ukraine. That's Pastor Sasha in the pulpit. I remember meeting Pastor Sasha a long time ago, and he told me how he was called to be a missionary about 18 years ago. 
and he said that the Lord sent him to this town called Borovaya. And he worked in Borovaya for two years, never saw any, anything happening. He said it was so difficult working there. He said, this day as I was driving there, I was down, I was depressed because nothing was happening. A young woman was thumbing a lift. He said, I stopped, she got into the back seat and I carried on, I forgot all about her. He said, I was so concerned about myself, I wasn't interested in anybody else by this point. He said, but I got a tap in the shoulder and she stopped, she stopped me and she said, you know, when I got into the car, I wanted you to drop me here at this forest. I was coming here to commit suicide. She said, nobody loves me. My family don't care about me. They don't love me. I have no friends. She said, nobody loves me, and I just want to end my life here in this forest. She said, but as I sat in your car, I listened to the message on the cassette. That's how long ago it was. It was a cassette. I listened to that message on your cassette. She says, now I know that Jesus loves me. She said, I repented sitting in the back seat of your car, I have accepted him into my life. Pastor Sasha said he hung his head in shame. He said he was so ashamed of what he was going through. And here was God moving in the heart of a young girl. And you know, brothers and sisters, it is difficult that when we're working hard and we're not seeing any fruit, we're not seeing any breakthrough. But Pastor Sasha said this, he said, the lesson I learned that day is salvation is of the Lord. And the Lord will begin to work when he's ready and not when we want it done, but when he wants it done. So great blessing, Izum. This is our brother Vitali, who goes into Izum, very dangerous area. This is where the war crimes took place, mass graves. We have been in here a number of times. The people have nothing, no electricity, no heating, no water, so we were able to get lots of stoves put into the people, six laundry points all over the city for the people uh, to wash their clothing, laundry, uh, washing machines and generators. Uh, Christmas just passed. We wanted to reach the children there because the children always suffer along with the elderly, don't they? And we, we, we wanted our brother Vitaly to go to them. And in the Zoom, we reached over 2,000 children and we just wanted to put a little smile back in their face. And the Christmas story was told here. Thousands of people gathered on the square. And the Christmas story was told right through to the cross and what the Lord Jesus Christ did for them. Stary Saltov, this is where they're from. This is a place that we know and love very, very much. Heartbreaking every time I look at this. This is a church that we built there. This is where... We went often to work with our brothers and sisters, to minister with them, to reach the sick, to reach the elderly. This is where everything was planned. Everything was sent out and the church was built. That's it today. And you, you can understand why their hearts are broken, why our hearts are broken to see what, what, what has happened there. This is where their life was. And you know, I don't know many times people have said to me, but that's not the church. The church of the people, we know that. But this is their life. This building was their life. This is where they met. This is where they worshipped the Lord and planned and reached out to people. And when this place went, their life went with it. And this is the condition of it today. But you know something? The gospel is still being preached here. They refuse to give up. 
and the brothers and the sisters are going in here and anybody that passes by, they're bringing them in and they're telling them all about the Lord Jesus Christ. So things, are, things haven't stopped. The prison ministry hasn't stopped. The prison ministry continues. 22 years we've been there. That's Pastor Victor. He's a, he's a, he's a pastor of the, the, the Baptist Church and the prison ministry. And for 22 years we've been going here. There's so much fruit. We used to go along Valentine and our team and his team into the prisons to, to sing, to testify, to lead people to repentance. They were baptized in old skips in, in the prison and so many great things. That's Pastor uh, Victor today. The church is too small now to contain the people. So many people being saved. So many people want to come to church to hear about God now that they have to meet outside. A great problem to have, isn't it? And then Lehman, again, this is our brother Vitaly. We support the work that his team do. They go in, and I can't show you everything because time's gone, you know, but we go into Lehman, and again, they were able to reach up to a thousand children here at Christmas again, and just to put a little smile back in their face, into the hospitals at Christmas. They had been bombed twice, this children's hospital. But they there were no, no intention of closing the door and were able to go to the children at Christmas, give them a gift, talk to them about the Lord Jesus Christ along with their families. And then into the east of Ukraine, this is Pastor Pavel. Uh, you've, you've probably heard of the House of Hope. He's the pastor of Christ and Risen Baptist Church and also looks after the Christian school and the House of Hope. And this is them going down to the basements in Donbass with gifts for them at Christmas. You can see that there's no electricity, there's no heating, but this is the Christmas services down in the basements. There's a war raging outside, but this is the church. This is what they're doing. And they're down there in the basements, reaching people, telling people all about the Lord Jesus Christ. Sokolova Church. This is Pastor Pavel's place. This is the House of Hope that we built five years ago now. We built that place. That was the day that the, 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 the House of Hope opened. And what a, a great blessing this, this home has become. This is them during the war going into Kharkov to rescue the sick and to rescue the elderly. <coughs> they would have been left to die in the flats. But people like that there, through the believers, they went in. She's a, a doctor, Dr. Luba. This is Pastor Pavel's daughter. And everywhere we go, she goes with us in the villages, and you don't know what you're going to find in the poor villages, sick people, dying people, and she ministers to the body, and then we minister to the soul. And it's a great combination, 93-year-old blind lady being rescued and brought to the House of Hope. And this is the House of Hope. This is our brothers and sisters within the House of Hope. There's no sound off it there, but they're saying hello to everybody. And this is them in the House of Hope, that the girls look after the, the sick. They're being rescued out of the flats. They're being brought there. There's Jacqueline with Paulina. Paulina was in the Communist Party, didn't believe anything about God. But after a few months living in the House of Hope, she repented and came to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. You don't stay in the House of Hope long as an unbeliever, I can tell you. And this is the outcome the ones who are being saved in the villages, the ones who are going along to the House of Hope and staying there and being saved. That says, Veru, believe. 
And this is the elderly in their 80s and 90s going through the waters of baptism. And that water's chilly. It really is cold water. But there's a steady stream of elderly people, heart attacks, cancer, strokes. They've been through it all. Maybe you're sitting here this morning and you haven't been baptized yet. Why not? It's a command of the Lord to be baptized and to follow, continue to follow the Lord. This is the ambulances that we were able to send into the front line as Pastor Pavel on the, the right-hand side handing the keys over to the Ukrainian army, to the medical corps of the Ukrainian army. The generators, just putting the generators in to the people. The sound there, uh, if you can get the sound busy sending all of these different things in. The sleeping bags will keep them alive up to minus 40 degrees. Very expensive, but very, very good. Bakhmut, this is where the war is today. Much killing taking place here. This is our team down in, in the basements, reaching the people with the gospel, going to them. This is where, this is the, the people that's dying today. This is the elderly and the sick. They can't leave. They'll die if they leave, and they'll die if they stay. But the teams are going into them, and they're reaching them, they're supporting them, they're loving them, and they're winning them for Christ. These people will die. They're probably not alive any longer. But praise the Lord that many of these elderly people have come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ through the teams. You don't hear about this in the BBC, so you don't. Or on Sky News. You don't hear about this. Because this is about Christ. This is what God is doing, not any army. This is what the Lord is doing. That little girl's 10 years of age. And this is who they're bombing. This is the people that they're killing. That's their team. That's Pastor Pavel and the, the, the team. And if you had sound, you can hear the bombs dropping in Bakhmut. They're on their knees. They're praying. And they said as they were praying, they looked up and they saw a Russian drone overhead. And they said, we better move. And they moved away. And within two minutes, a missile hit where they had been praying and praising the Lord. So this is what's going on. This is, we're supporting the defenders of Ukraine and, and Bakhmut. Give, fruit means vitamins. It helps them to, to stay healthy. Uh, the amazing journey, we got the amazing journey, two amazing journeys sent out recently. So that's going up onto the front line. And there'll be Bible exhibitions taken. Thousands will come to these on the streets. And they will hear all about what the Lord Jesus Christ has done for them. A little bit of the work that Valentin and I and the Jacqueline and the teams were involved in. This is on the Russian border. Just before the war started, firemen coming to faith on the Russian border. In the farm ministry that we had, the farm ministry is now gone. That's his brother, Nikolai, who was a policeman, dying with MS, repented that day, came to faith. Michael worked in the roof of Chernobyl. He was clearing the, the nuclear waste off the roof of Chernobyl. Today, he's very, very ill. He's like a ghost. He's like a skeleton. He's lost one leg. The other leg uh, is rotting away. So this is, he's not saved. Michael's not saved. This is Lydia. Lydia is a believer. Her husband isn't. But we're in the village that day and we got the call. Come and speak to him. He's had a stroke. 
And we went along to him, and I remember saying to him, are you ready yet? He said, yes, I'm ready now. I said, why did you wait so long till the Lord brought something into your life to repent? So he came to faith that day, and he passed away just a couple of months ago. And then a week after this, Lydia's house burnt to the ground. It just some accident, and she lost her home. She lost her husband, she's lost her home. But we're rebuilding her house. 14,000 pounds will put her little house up again, and we'll give her sister somewhere to live. She looked after us when we were there, and now we will look after her. Uh, coming to the end, almost at the end of this, this is uh, the lady in the middle is a believer. Sasha is a Muslim. And I met him for the first time that day. I said, what do you work at? He said, I'm a shepherd. I said, uh, he said I'm a Muslim. He said, but I'm a shepherd. I said, I know a shepherd, and he's a good one. He said, what do you call him? I said, Jesus Christ. I said, he's the son of God, and he came into this world to die for your sins. I said, he's not only the good shepherd, but he's a great shepherd. He didn't stay dead. I said, on the third day, he rose again from the dead. I said, you're a Muslim. I said, where's Muhammad today? He said, he's dead. He's in the grave. I said, who's going to deal with your sin? And he went quiet. He says, I don't know. I said, Jesus Christ, the good shepherd, died for your sin. The great shepherd rose again from the dead. I said, and he's not only the good shepherd and the great shepherd, he's the chief shepherd. I said, he's coming back again. And we need to be ready. We need to be, have repented of our sins and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And he's coming back for those who know him and love him and follow him. He said, I need to trust in this good shepherd. He came to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ that day. Pastor Yuri, we met him eight years ago on the front line in the Donbass area. As we ministered to the Ukrainian army, he was the pastor to the Ukrainian army. This is Pastor Pavel's team in Bakhmut, just, uh, just, uh, just after Christmas, praying with them, going in. This is a young Ukrainian soldier repenting. Many of them have come to faith. This is a baptism. Now, I hope this works. Yes. yes. Pastor Yuri has been a blessing to us. He's been a blessing to the people. And this is just going to run through. We're almost at the end of this. But this is the work that's going on among the Ukrainian soldiers. And they're asking, please pray. Get Northern Ireland to pray for us. Brothers and sisters, Russia is being pushed out. They're being pushed out. Keep praying for Ukraine. There's the baptism. Minus 25. They've cut the ice with a chainsaw in the shape of a cross and they're baptizing them. Now you would have to be a true believer, wouldn't you? As we go there, as we support the work that's taking place there, our Lord Jesus Christ has commanded us to go out into the world and to preach the gospel to every creature. Are we obeying the command of our Lord Jesus Christ? Are we taking part in this ministry? It's not only for people who go to Africa or Ukraine or Romania or anywhere else. Every true believer in our Lord Jesus Christ 
need to be involved in this ministry of preaching the gospel. And I'm not talking about standing in a pulpit. One-to-one, small groups, talk to them. Tell them about the Lord Jesus Christ. This is why we have missionary conventions, to, to challenge you on this. Are you doing the work that you're being commanded? You've believed in them. Have you been baptized? Are you preaching the gospel? Are you sharing this great message with the unsaved in St. Field? You know, as I go around the churches today, <clears throat> I hear many, many reasons why we shouldn't serve the Lord. Can't sing, can't preach, I've got a bad testimony. No such thing as a bad testimony. No got a good testimony. I can't sing. I can't work with children. I'm not good. I'm shy. Brothers and sisters, we hear all of these reasons as to why we shouldn't serve the Lord. But you know something? I, I read something quite a while ago, and I'm going to read this to you, about people, this is for people who think that we just can't serve Him, that there's nothing that we can do. But when we look at the believers, uh, the people who did serve God, what did they have that was so special? Listen to this list. Noah. Noah got drunk. Moses had a stammer. Rahab was a prostitute. David committed adultery. Elijah was suicidal. Jonah ran away from God. Naomi was a widow. Peter denied the Lord. Job went bankrupt. Zacchaeus was very small. Abraham was very old. Paul was very religious. And Lazarus was very dead. But God got the glory out of every single one of them, didn't he? The Lord was glorified in the lives of all of these people. And then when you start thinking, what did some of these people have that was so special that God would use? What did Moses have that God used? He had a rod. That's all he had. What about Samson? He had the jawbone of an ass. What about David? He had a sling and a few stones. What about Mary? Mary had a jar of ointment. Dorcas. Dorcas had a needle and a young boy had some bread and fish. And look at what the Lord Jesus Christ was able to accomplish through these people here. The great Bible story that inspires me is the one that we read today in Deuteronomy chapter uh, 34 about the life of that great prophet Moses. What a leader he was. But do you remember where he was called at the burning bush and the Lord wanted him to go in to Egypt to, to set his people free? Do you remember what he said? Oh Lord, could you not use somebody else? Oh Lord, I can't speak right. I'm slow of speech. I'm slow of tongue. Don't use me. Use somebody else. I can't do this. Have you ever been like that? Have you ever felt afraid? Have you ever felt intimidated by what the Lord has asked you to do? I have many, many times. And I've actually said, no Lord, get somebody else to do that one. But you know something, brothers and sisters, we don't have to be afraid. See, when we look at these people in the Bible and what they had that they gave to God, they had nothing. And yet they gave their lives and they gave everything to the Lord. Moses eventually obeyed the Lord. And what a testimony he left behind. What does it say in, in verse 10 again? And there arose not a prophet since in Israel like unto Moses. Brothers and sisters, in the Old Testament, there was never another prophet like unto Moses. The man who says, Lord, don't send me, don't use me, I can't do this or that or the other. Look at the testimony he's left behind. 
There was never another prophet like him in all of Israel because he obeyed. He says, Lord, okay, Lord, I'll go, but let my brother go with me. And brothers and sisters, we know the story. We know the story so well. But look at the testimony that he left behind. And there arose not a prophet since in Israel like unto Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. He knew Moses face to face. Brothers and sisters, we're saved. But does God know us face to face? Do we go to the prayer meetings? Do we go to the Bible studies? Do we stay for the table whenever we're, we have breaking of bread? Do we do all of those things? Because if we don't, God doesn't know you face to face. There's no sense in praying a little prayer and expecting to get to heaven. We need to take up our cross and we need to follow hard after Jesus Christ. Then God will get to know us face to face. I believe that God needs people just like Moses. He, he needs men like Paul who wasn't afraid to serve him when the going got tough. He needs mothers like Hannah who prayed for a child that she would give him back to God. We need young people, young people like Samuel who will say, Speak, Lord, thy servant heareth. He needs older people like, like, older people like Abraham and uh, Sarah who served the Lord right into old age itself. Needed women like Esther, who would use her influence to serve and to help others. He needs people like Peter, who are not afraid to look somebody in the eye and tell them, repent or perish. You know something, sin is being covered up today. We need people like John the Baptist, who are not afraid to call sin for what it is. It's not an alternative lifestyle. It's sin against a holy God. And we need people who will stand up and tell people that. We need people like Peter. We need mothers like Hannah. The Lord needs people who are not afraid just to surrender everything. Young people, what an opportunity you have. I didn't start saving the Lord until I was 44 years of age. What an opportunity that you have as a young person to give your life completely to the Lord and to go out into that mission field and serve him with the remainder of whatever you've got left, just to give him everything that you have. Brothers and sisters, sorry we went a little bit over the, over the time today. I want to finish with this here. The Lord Jesus Christ has given us this command to go out into the, the world and to preach the gospel to every creature. I remember K.P. Johannan, the missionary to India, and he said this, When our Lord Jesus Christ ascended back to heaven, we became his hands. We became his feet. He said, we became his mouth. We became his eyes. We became his ears. He said, we became his very tears. He said, we need to go to the people of Saintfield and we need to love them. We need to care for them. We need to love them the way that he loved them. And if we can do that, if we can go to people no matter who they are, it doesn't matter if they come to church whether they've never been in church. We need to go to people and we need to love them and we need to reach them. Listen, if God can use a, a, a drunken Roman Catholic Scotsman like me, he can use absolutely anyone that's sitting in this building today. 
Brothers and sisters, don't walk away from here today without promising that you'll do something for the Lord. The church needs you. The Lord needs you. Stand up for the Lord and say, Lord, here am I. Send me. And may the Lord bless everything that's taken place here this morning. And may he receive all the glory. I'm going to pass it back now to Betty. Thank you.